On this edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, it's time to kick off a brand new series, ranking the best Arizona State Sun Devils football players by the decade, starting off with the 2010s and the best quarterbacks of that era. Meanwhile, ASU plays a little addition and subtraction as they get a new three-star player to their roster, but unfortunately do lose another player to the transfer portal. All of this on today's episode of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. You are Locked On Sun Devils, your daily podcast on the Arizona State Sun Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Sun Devils podcast. My name is Richie Bradshaw, and I will be your guide for everything Arizona State Sun Devils today. This episode of the Locked On Sun Devils podcast is brought to you by Stat Hero. Stat Hero is reshaping the way you play fantasy sports with dozens of house-based games to play daily. No sharks, no funky props, just your skill versus the lineups you choose. Sign up today at stathero.com slash locked on. Guys, I'm here to talk to you about everything Arizona State, football, basketball, baseball, and otherwise. But to make sure that you get all that content, make sure that you subscribe to wherever you get your podcasts. We are free and available on all platforms, which includes but is not limited to the Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. You can also follow us on YouTube if you would like to see a video format of this podcast. See my beautiful face. Speaking of my beautiful face, you can go ahead and follow me on Twitter as well, at RichieBrad36. Follow the podcast while you're on Twitter as well, at LO underscore Sun Devils. Now, without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into this. I'm very, very excited to start the series. This has been one that's been a long time coming. I've been very excited, like very, very, very stoked to really start to dive into this because I think it's just such a fun conversation to have. And that's the greatest players of all time. Now, I do eventually want to get to a point where I can talk about all of ASU's players at the same time, but I do think we need to break it down. And the way I'm breaking it down is this. We're going to do the 2010s, the 2000s, and the the, the 90s, 80s, 70s, 60s all lumped together. So essentially the 1900s, the pre-new millennium, I, I don't know how I want to word that yet, but everything before the year 2000. 2000 to 2009, and 2010 to 2019. Spoiler alert, Jaden Daniels doesn't make the list, and not because we're upset with him or anything like that. No, he doesn't make the list because he only played in one year of the 2010. So I'm just going to go ahead and get that out of the way for you guys right now. Now, with that being said, diving into this conversation, there's really only four guys that we can talk about without including Jaden Daniels. And that mainly is because ASU has had so much really good consistency at the quarterback position during the Todd Graham and the Herm Edwards eras, respectively, of this program. And obviously the the later portions of the Dennis Erickson era, which we don't really want to talk about because that was when the, the team just got completely out of hand and the Vontez Burfix of the world really kind of took control of the locker room for the worst. But there are four quarterbacks that we need to talk about. Four really, really quality quarterbacks, too. Like, I had a hard time kind of shuffling these around. Now, number one, I had no issue with. Number one was definitive for me. Anyone who knows anything about me realizes who number one is well ahead of time, but we will get there. We are going to go from four to one. 
So starting at number four, maybe going to surprise some people. And not maybe. I am, I'm going to go ahead and say this is going to surprise some people. It's Brock Osweiler. Now, I feel like a lot of people would want to put Osweiler much higher on this list. And I wouldn't necessarily blame them. Osweiler only played in, what is that, 25 games for Arizona State. He was only a one-year starter. But in that one year, he did manage to score 29 touchdowns, and he did top the 4,000-yard passing mark. Did have 13 interceptions, so he had a 2-to-1 touchdown ratio. He had three more touchdowns on the ground. He was a very quality quarterback for us who played with some solid weapons. He had the end of Garrell Robinson's career. He might have had one year with Cameron Marshall. There, there was a few guys that he got to play with that were quality but not great, and he was able to get the most out of them. But more importantly, he he really put an emphasis on Arizona State's passing attack. And, I mean, the dude had a rocket attached to his right arm. He was able to sling the ball downfield without any issues whatsoever. And more importantly, he had the build of a professional quarterback. He was – the first quarterback in a long time to play over six foot eight inches or six foot seven, I should say, in an NFL game. Osweiler actually went on to win a Super Bowl, fun fact. So definitely can't complain with that. For what it's worth, Osweiler, a very, very, very quality quarterback. To me, he clocks in at four. If for no other reason than he was a one-year starter. And before that, he didn't do anything too crazy. Now, his sophomore year, he did manage to throw for just shy of 800 yards and five touchdowns to zero picks in six games. That still just doesn't quite do enough for me to justify putting him higher than four. Now, I am a, a Brossweiler fan, okay? Brossweiler is my dude. I, I stand him till the day I die. He won a Super Bowl for the Denver Broncos 2015, that no-fly zone defense. He actually was instrumental in helping to get them there. Between him and a Peyton Manning who seriously looked like just just a whole other kind of quarterback compared to what we had been used to seeing. Neither of them were all that great, but I will argue tooth and nail that Brock Osweiler was better. Thankfully for them, that defense was good enough to win them games regardless of how bad the quarterback play was, and it truly wasn't great. Osweiler did end up cashing out very briefly with the Houston Texans. He's made himself some very good money in the pros. So we're very happy with the way that Osweiler turned out. Because unlike the other quarterbacks on this list, Osweiler definitely, like not even close, had the most success at the pro level. So that's the one thing Osweiler does have going for him. Unfortunately, that doesn't that doesn't affect his ranking in the college level. So Osweiler comes in at number four for me, but a very good number four. Number three, again, I feel like this might surprise some people, but I'm going to Mike Bercovici. Burkell better known for the jail Mary, which is hanging out right behind me in a little mural there. There's a little glare on my, on my picture frame because of my fans. So don't mind that, but Berkovici gained instant like lore status with Arizona state for the jail Mary. It's one of those plays where Arizona state fans remember exactly where they were when it happened. I know where I was. I'll tell you guys a quick little story. It was my sister's, uh, birthday party weekend. I don't believe it was her actual birthday. She had just turned 18 years old. We are watching this game, me and my dad, and we're really frustrated because it's just back and forth with USC and 
ASU can't get a stop, and this kid named Javorius Buck Allen had just been ripping us to shreds, and me and my dad were just getting annoyed, and we were like, man, I just don't know what to do with this game. I think we need to take a little break. And at, at that point in time, it had looked like it had been signed, sealed, delivered that ASU was going to lose that game. So we had stepped out into the other room to eat some dinner with the family. Well, we had the game still on in the background, and we had the sound going. So we're still listening to the game. And all of a sudden, we just hear screaming from the TV. And I remember me and my dad, we exchanged a look of like, what the heck is going on? So I go out to the other room, and all I see is Bergavici laying on the ground just like this. And all the players coming up and patting him on the back. And everyone who has seen that play knows exactly what I'm talking about. And all of a sudden, I see that Arizona State had just beat the USC Trojans. And it was unbelievable. Believable. It was complete pandonium out in the, 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 what are they called? The Coliseum. Meanwhile, as soon as I see that, I start screaming, Oh my God, we won, we won, we won. My dad comes running out. He starts screaming. I run up to him and I jump on top of him, kind of like Superman, like this. And he's holding me up like he's my offensive lineman. It, it obviously was a lot less extreme in real life, but it certainly felt like it. I, I felt like, Barry Sanders being hoisted up by one of his offensive linemen. Meanwhile, my grandmother, who is another diehard Sun Devils fan, comes out as well at the same time, and she's screaming, and she's all excited, and the three of us are having a moment, and the rest of the family comes out, and we all get super excited together. But I remember me, my dad, and my grandma just having this absolutely amazing exchange together, and it was so much fun. With that being said, back to the Berkovici deal. The reason he had come into this game was because Taylor Kelly had been injured. And we will talk more about Taylor Kelly later on this list. But Kelly had gotten injured previously in the season, and Berkovici had to come in as relief for him. And in his first ever start for Arizona State against the Trojans, he ended up pulling out this absolutely amazing win with one of the greatest plays in Arizona State history. He actually ended up having a really, really, really quality season. He did throw for just shy of 1,500 yards, 12 touchdowns to four interceptions. Quality year, especially considering he only played eight games and he started maybe five or six of them. Berkovici was terrific. So much so that going into 2015, he had quite the hype coming around him. 2015 was my first year and only year living on Arizona State campus. The rest of the time, I did a lot of commuting. I didn't really get that freshman, sophomore year experience as I was a transfer from Glendale Community College, but neither here nor there. I'm still a Sun Devil till the day I die, and I was born and raised that way. So not to worry there, guys. Nonetheless, my only year living on campus was a very frustrating one. It was very up and down for the Sun Devils that year, but if there was one consistent, it was Mike Berkovici and the way he played. Berkovici had 36 touchdowns in 13 games, 30 of them through the air, and he managed six on the ground. And I'll never forget me and my roommates, Justin San, uh, Edgar, Edgar Gerardo, I think is his last name. Edgar, if I butchered your last name, I'm so sorry, buddy. And Warren Silver were all in the crowd. And every time Berkovici would run in a touchdown, we would just shout, dual threat. And it was so much fun. And it just, it, it truly was just an absolute blast. And I remember there was one game. Oh my God, it wasn't Cal Poly, but it was another smaller school. 
where he ran into our end zone and he ran up to the fans and did the forks up sign. And we were all going absolutely nuts. It was so much fun. And Berkovici was a big part of the reason why I had so much fun that year is he was the one constant to this team. Now, he, this was also the year that DJ Foster made the transition from running back to wide receiver so that Arizona State had something out wide because we were dealing with the loss of Jalen Strong. And it was very unfortunate because Strong was so good for Arizona State football and because he put himself in Arizona State lore, obviously, with the Jail Mary. But DJ Foster made the transition out wide. He was still very, very quality. Uh, Demario Richard and Kalen Balaj became the one of two backs there. And Tim White actually had a really quality season as well. But Berkovici made those guys better. And that's one of the reasons why I have him at third on my list ahead of Brock Osweiler is I believe that Berkovici made the guys around him better. Tim White ended up getting a very short stint in the NFL. And I don't think he does that without Berkovici's help. Kalen Balaj ends up having a career year during the Mike Berkovici era, or no, that was a couple years later, excuse me. This was Kalen's uh, sophomore year. So this is well before that Texas Tech game. But Kalen and Demario became a very, very good one-two punch for Arizona State. And I, I truly believe that Berkovici and his rock-solid arm were part of the reason why they were able to do so much through the air as successfully as they did. So Berkovici clocking in there at number three for me on my list. We're going to go ahead and hop into our first break. When we come back, we are going to go ahead and discuss who numbers two and number one are on my top quarterbacks of the 2010s. This is the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. If anyone else took Kentucky to win it all and your bracket got busted, I am so, so sorry. If it makes you feel better, I took them all the way to the final four. But not to worry, I still have some cash left to go thanks to Stat Heroes Pick'em. If you haven't checked out this new platform, then you're really missing out. Stat Heroes NCAA Single Game Pick'ems pits the star players against each other in an amazing hybrid between fantasy and sports gambling. Take control back from those handicappers that always seem to have the advantage. Start focusing on the players you know best with a gameplay that doesn't rely on big spreads, long odds, or funky props. Stat Hero gives the advantage, resulting in their gamers winning four times more often. Why? Because Stat Hero eliminates the mystery about who or what you're going up against. In addition to their pick'em games, they also have dozens of lineups you can comb through to take on head-to-head. -head. They simply post sets of players for you to take on with a set of players you choose. Stat Hero is the easiest and fastest way to get your sports action flick fix. The simple, sleek gameplay will have you playing in minutes. This is what Daily Fantasy was made to be. Check out StatHero.com right now and change the way that you play March Madness. StatHero.com. All right, guys. And as always, thank you so much for making the Locked on Sundables podcast your first listen every day. Remember that this podcast is free and available on all platforms. That being said, we're going to go ahead and hop right back into our conversation of the best quarterbacks of the 2010s. In case you missed it, for some reason, you decided to skip in in the middle of the podcast. Breaking four guys. Number four, Brock Osweiler. Number three was Mike Berkovici. Number two, drum roll please, la -da 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 -da, Manny Wilkins. Manny Wilkins, a.k.a. Look at Manny Run 
aka Jumpman, 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 comes in at number two on my list. Manny Wilkins, the very non-exciting but super safe quarterback. Manny is one of the pioneers of Arizona State Sun Devil quarterbacks being the mobile dual threat guys that they are. Before we had Jaden Daniels, we had Manny Wilkins. Wilkins, I believe, is third all-time leading rusher for Arizona State behind Taylor Kelly and behind Jaden Daniels. He managed to rush for over 1,000 yards, and he scored 20 touchdowns. He scored those 20 touchdowns in a three-year span. He was just so much fun. He felt like this unbelievably unstoppable force. What's funny is he averaged 2.7 on the ground, but don't let that fool you because college football sacks are counted as rushing attempts. So your sack yards ends up counting against your rushing yards. That's why you'll see a lot of quarterbacks have negative yards. It's the dumbest thing ever. Like I prefer where the pros do it, where it's like it counts against your quote unquote net yards or whatever the heck they decide to do. College football needs to fix it, but they're never going to fix it. And it is what it is, but I mean, take away some of Manny's losses. He easily was averaging over four yards of carry, probably over five yards of carry. I don't know if I'd go as far as to say six, but Manny had a way of doing things. Once a game, seriously, like you could peg him once a game for hurdling a guy. It's where the jump man comes from. It's where the look at Manny run comes from. The, it just it, it was so funny because you would see Manny take off and his defender would start to close in. And as you're screaming, get down, slide, stop. What are you doing? You're going to get hurt. All of a sudden, you just see him Mario leap. This guy just whoop right over him. And you would expect him to punch a brick or something and get a mushroom because, my goodness, he looked like Super Mario out there. He truly did. It was so much fun to watch him, even though it was also exhilarating and terrifying at the same time. Manny was a quality passer as well. He was never that guy who was going to tear you apart with his arm, but he he was really, really good at managing the game. And the big claim here is Manny got to play all three of his starting seasons with the legendary Nikhil Harry. Nikhil Harry, of course, playing from 2016 to 2018. That was the same three-year span that Manny Wilkins had as a starting quarterback. And those two made some sweet, sweet music together. Nikhil Harry, obviously a two-time thousand-yard receiver in that span. He, I believe, had a first-team All-Pac-12. He was definitely a freshman All-American. Nikhil Harry was an absolute stud. The way he could reverse the field, the way he created with the ball in his hands, and the way he could high-point balls and win those 50-50 shots. All of that, though, comes from Manny Wilkins and how consistent and dominant he was at getting the ball into his receiver's hands. He also was a very quality quarterback in terms of being able to get some other guys to look really good, specifically a transfer kid by the name of Brandon Ayuk. I don't know if you've ever heard of him or not. He was just a first-round pick a couple of years back for the San Francisco 49ers, neither here nor there. But he helped Ayuk get onto the map for Arizona State the combination of him and Nikhil Harry is actually one of the best combinations Arizona State has ever had. It really doesn't get talked about that much, but particularly when it came to him and Manny, he was really kind of helping Manny open up that deep passing game that Arizona State really didn't have that much. And don't get me wrong, Ayuk was not that 1,200-yard receiver that he was in his final year at Arizona State with Jaden Daniels. 
However, he was as good a number two receiver as you could have asked for next to Nikhil Harry. And Manny Wilkins took advantage of those two guys. He managed to throw for over 3,000 yards in each of his final two seasons. He also wound up having a career 7.7 yards per attempt. And it basically got better each year. He had a, a flat eight in 2017 and it dipped down to a 7.7 in 2018. But he did progressively get better and better as a passer each year, it felt. And Manny was just like, like I said, like, did he make everyone around him better? No, I don't think so. But he got the most out of guys. He was one of the reasons why Nikhil Harry was a first round pick. Truly is because he put Nikhil in those positions to really show off his go-up-and-get-it ability. And they weren't bad balls. It's not like Nikhil was bailing him out. No, they were well-placed balls where Nikhil had to go up and get it. And Nikhil had to show off that athleticism and that my-ball mentality, high-point that thing. Manny did a really good job of placing it where only his receiver can get it. And it is really hard to do that as, as, a, as a quarterback in general, let alone as a starting college quarterback in a power five division. This is a really, really good quarterback for Arizona state. And I feel like we always look back at Manny and we're just so underwhelmed because he never killed it as a passer and he was a good runner, but he was never this elite runner. However, he was as good as it got for Arizona state during the later half of the 2010s. We truly should cherish what Manny Wilkins was able to give Arizona state because he, he was just quality, but he was good quality. And this is the reason why I put him ahead of Osweiler and Berkovici is he was a three-year starter for Arizona state. And he was a very good three-year starter for Arizona state, a very high quality guy and somebody that Arizona state definitely won footballs with. And sometimes because of Manny Wilkins, he was a playmaker. Now, again, was never that true X factor that like a Jaden Daniels showed off the ability to be, but he was still rock solid. He's not going to get the credit that he deserves all time, but I will be telling my kids about Manny Wilkins. Now, number one, this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody who knows me as I am somebody who firmly believes that this quarterback is one of the three greatest Arizona state quarterbacks of all time. But at number one is Taylor Kelly. Taylor Kelly never got the credit he deserves, I feel. Three-year starter for Arizona State. In that time, he managed to throw 79 touchdowns, 26 interceptions. He threw almost 9,000 yards. And where everyone underrates him, Taylor Kelly was a really good runner. Everyone forgets that he is actually number two on Arizona State's list of all-time leading rushers. With over 1,400 yards, he managed 13 touchdowns on the ground as well. The only guy ahead of him is Jaden Daniels. And Jaden also took three years to pass Taylor, which is essentially what, what the length was for Taylor in order to get to that, that 1,400-yard mark. He did have one carry his freshman year for the 24 yards or whatever. But at the end of the day, he did the mass majority of his stats and production in his, in his three-year stretch as a starter. But in the meantime... He was so, so good. In fact, in 2014, when he had an injury-shortened season and Berkovici had to come in, there, there were times where, unfortunately, Berkovici was definitely the better option, if for no other reason than health. 
But in 10 games, he was on his way to having his best season. He threw for 2,100 yards, not an eye-popping number. But he managed 22 touchdowns and just five interceptions. It was phenomenal what he was able to do. By the way, 2014 was prime Jalen Strong. 2013 was Jalen Strong's coming out party. Taylor Kelly and Jalen Strong made sweet, sweet music together. And let me tell you what, that is one of the all-time greatest quarterback-wide receiver combos in Arizona State history. I will listen to an argument that it is the best. Taylor and Jalen were terrific together. What I just said about Manny and Nikhil, 10 times, 10 times better was Taylor Kelly to Jalen Strong. Now, you can probably call me out for that because you can pull up the numbers, you can pull up statistics, this, that, and the other. It was a lot more effective because ASU was winning a lot more football games. Because everyone forgets in 2013, this was Nikhil's first year with Arizona State. The team won the Pac-12 South. It was a really, really big deal. And it was because of Jalen Strong and Taylor Kelly's connection. They had a quality defense as well, captained by Will Sutton, a guy we'll talk about at some other point in time for this series. But nonetheless, Jalen was terrific. And part of the reason he was terrific is because Taylor knew how to get the most out of him. Jalen made Taylor better, but Taylor was a huge reason that Jalen was able to get to his ceiling. Just like Manny, he had a great way of putting the ball up to where Jalen could get it. And anybody who knows ASU football knows that there the there's not a better combination than Jalen Strong and the back shoulder fade. And the way that Taylor Kelly just consistently put it on his shoulder, it was just the perfect throw. These two looked like they had grown up together and played football since they were in diapers. They were so in sync with each other. But even fast-forwarding a little before the Jalen Strong era, he was making guys better. Jeremy Miles, Rashad Ross are two guys who come to mind for me. Ross actually had a little stint in the NFL, mainly as a return man. Miles never made it. But Taylor Kelly was the reason that we know those guys, or at least the diehards. For those of you who are new, I don't expect you to know them because they were... They were just guys, and that's not a diss to them at all. It's just they weren't Nikhil Harry, and they weren't Brandon Ayuk, and they weren't Jalen Strong. There's nothing wrong with that. They were very good for what they did at Arizona State. But being very good at Arizona State doesn't exactly get you on, on our list of greatest ever. Taylor Kelly was able to make them names that we recognize. He was also able to get the most out of his running backs. Cameron Marshall had really good years under him. Marion Grice excelled because Taylor Kelly was so good. He made everyone around him better. Totally underrated quarterback. The only quarterbacks that I would put ahead of Taylor Kelly are Danny White, who is the undisputed one for me, and Jake Plummer. Plummer, very, very good. Personally, I feel like he gets very inflated because of how good his senior year was and the fact that he took us to a Rose Bowl. I feel like that sort of overrates Plummer, but nonetheless, I would put Plummer number two pretty comfortably. Number three, there's all sorts of debate for who goes in that spot. For me, it's Taylor Kelly. Is there a bias because I watched him? Of course. However, 
Taylor was so, so good. And even with how good Jaden Daniels was, I would still tell you that Taylor Kelly is the best quarterback that I've seen in my time of watching football, which dates back to like the mid to late 2000s. So I did see the Rudy Carpenter era, which was not a fan of that. Neither was my family. Ampersades, if you're listening to this, I still remember all of the very kind and colorful words you had for our friend Rudy Carpenter. But nonetheless, neither here nor there, right? Bringing it back to the point, Taylor Kelly, to me, easily number one quarterback of the 2010s for Arizona State. Overall, very, very good collection of guys for Arizona State's quarterbacks. Can't complain. With that being said, we're going to go ahead and wrap up this second segment. When we return, we're going to talk finally about the new addition and a new subtraction to Arizona State's football team. This is the Locked on Sun Levels podcast. It's that time of year again as Ben Online's college basketball tournament is upon us with the latest odds, contests, and player props here. BetOnline.net is the number one source for all your sports gambling needs. BetOnline remains the number one spot for your sports podcasts, scores, and more this season. And it's not just basketball. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport. It's wagering, information needs, including live betting, and your favorite Vegas casino games. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. All right, guys, we're going to go ahead and hop into this final segment now. We got to talk about a new addition and a new subtraction that is coming to Arizona State. We are going to go ahead and start with the subtraction, which is offensive guard Justin. Uh, is it Rochellen? I think it's Rochellen. If it's not Justin, I apologize for butchering your last name. Justin is an offensive guard who was potentially in that mix for getting some starting time for Arizona State. He was a freshman last year and redshirted for the team because he wasn't able to get onto the field. Unfortunately, that did end up being the end of his stint with Arizona State as he has officially entered the transfer portal. This far from ideal for Arizona State because it's just there's there's a lot of uncertainty on this offensive line, right? And the more bodies we had, the better. But it it kind of has to be what it is. ASU is just going to have to find a way to stick it out with the guys that they have. And they have depth. It's not that they don't have depth. It's just you you really wish that you didn't have to lose more guys than you have to. And losing Justin Rochellen is brutal. Now, again, I don't know if he was going to be a starter for the team. I don't know if he was going to be like some kind of all Pac-12 kind of player. But you do hate the fact that you lose a quality guy like him. On the bright side of things, though, Arizona State is bringing in a brand new wide receiver, this time in the form of Cooper Wallace. Cooper Wallace, a three-star receiver, coming out of Semi Valley High School out in Los Angeles, California. Dude is a stud. If I'm not mistaken, I need to double-check right now. He is a big-er receiver. Now I'm starting to really question myself. So I'm going to 
I'm going to double check that while I'm going through all of this. But another another body added to this wide receiving core that Arizona State definitely needs more and more competition with. Here you go. Wallace comes in at six foot, 180 pounds. So a little bit of size to the position, which it's not so much that ASU is deprived of that, right? LV Bunkley Shelton, a solid size. He's right around six foot. You've got Andre Johnson, who's like six two or six three. Chad Johnson Jr., somewhere in that ballpark, too. So Cooper Wallace is going to give you some more depth, some more competition at a position that's as wide open as it ever has been. Because right now, it truly is Ricky Pearsall and everybody else. Between the two Johnsons, between Bunkley Shelton, between, um, oh my God, Elijah Badger, there's there's a lot of competition here. And I feel like Cooper, Cooper, Cooper Wallace can come in and actually make a name for himself a little bit, maybe maybe generate some more conversation and at least make it interesting for Arizona State to consider him moving forward. If nothing else, it's competition. It's going to push everybody to be better. And quite frankly, I just love the fact that we're getting guys to commit to us right now because it's really, really hard to find guys to stay at Arizona State the aforementioned, uh, the, the aforementioned Justin uh, Rochellen is actually the fourth transfer for Arizona State. That's not exactly ideal when you're trying to rebuild your image. And unfortunately, that seems to be the case. But with Cooper Wallace coming in, maybe that'll change the tide of things. Who knows? But anyways, that's going to actually wrap it up here for this Tuesday edition of the Locked on Sun Devils podcast. Again, thank you guys so much for making us your first listen every single day. Remember, this podcast is free and available on all platforms, which includes but is not limited to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify. We're also on YouTube if you want to check us out on a visual platform as well. Make sure that you are following the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Sun Devils. While you're there, give me a follow too at RichieBrads36. Thank you guys so much for making the Locked On Sun Devils your first listen every day. Go ahead and make Locked On, Locked On NFL Draft your next listen. As Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. Just like the Locked on Sun Devils podcast, it's free and available on all platforms. And until next time, you keep it locked right here on Locked on Sun Devils.